everybody welcome to the um cozy bear farms podcast it is super early in the morning and i am exhausted um more news in my life i got me a new car i'm now a part of that minivan gang got me a minivan the other day i know a lot of people are just all like why would you get a minivan well minivans are super practical for farmers because i can load a lot more vegetables and it's more comfortable to drive around that thing feels like I'm driving a super comfortable um, spaceship. I love that minivan. That minivan is my new baby. I love it. Um, a lot more people are going to be mistaking me as a dad. For some reason, when I go out into the streets, everybody thinks that I'm a dad. Don't know why. I, I guess I just give off those older vibes. But now I have a minivan and I feel like I'm a parent now. So I feel like now I need to carry around uh feel like now I need to carry around like juice boxes and goldfish because I might have to parent somebody out here. But besides that, let's get into today's show. So today we're going to answer the question, how big should I make my garden? Now, that's a very, very broad question. That's a super broad question. But I'm just going to base it around if you want to grow food for you and your family. Because a garden can be many different things. You could just grow just straight up plants like trees and herbs and succulents and all that other stuff. Or you could legit be growing um, vegetables and stuff like that. So I'm going to stick more to the vegetable side. I'm going to stick more to the vegetable side. I'm going to stick more to that. So... But you can do whatever you want with your garden. I mean, if you have the space in your backyard, use it. If you have the space in your house to make a garden, use it. If you're saying you don't have space, make a basket garden. A basket garden is basically you just have a bunch of pots around your house. And there's just a bunch of plants in them. And those are called basket gardens. So you can do whatever you want. But I'm going to stick with the premise of somebody who's trying to grow food for their family so let's create a scenario where we have a family let's say a family of six so a a mom a dad four kids so the dad's name is billy the mom's name is gene billy jean it's not my michael jackson song um yes the husband's name is billy the wife's name is gene the kid's name is Tom, Jillian, Patrice, and Roman. Those are the kids. And they live in a, let's say they live in a three-bedroom house. And their backyard is the size is, let's say their backyard is a fourth of an acre. And if you want to know what a fourth of an acre is, go to a football field and cut the football field in fourths. I don't feel like doing that math right now. It's one of those mornings. But um, let's go off of that. So they have this blank canvas in their backyard. It's full of grass. Um, let's say they have a dog, too, because every house needs a dog. Um, and let's say that they actually want to grow food for themselves because they're tired of going to the grocery store and spending money on unhealthy food so they want to grow their own food so let's take it from the top a lot of the times when people are trying to figure out what their gardens they need to figure out two things first do they want to do raised beds or do they actually want to grow into the ground now to eliminate that kind of question you need to get a soil sample take it to your local extension office get a free soil test 
and see what the soil is looking like. If the soil is bad, then I would suggest you need to go get some raised beds so that you can put some compost in the raised beds and have a good start off because if the soil is not good, I do not suggest if you're a first time gardener to go out and try to buy amendments and try to treat the soil and all that other stuff. It's gonna take too much time for you and you're not doing this for profit. You're just doing this so that you can feed your family. But if your soil is good, then I would say, okay, let's grow into the ground. Now, let's dive off and say that we're growing into the ground. The raised bed kind of setup, that's easy. You just make a bunch of raised beds. I think I said that, answer that question in the previous show where make a bunch of four by eights, filling up with compost, and then you just go on and plant. I kind of answered that question. So we're going to go into the lane of I have the land, I have enough room, the soil is good, I want to plant to the ground. Now, a lot of people are going to go out and say, okay, now I need to till my land or plow my land and get all the grass up. If it was me, yes, you need to go get a tiller. We'll go over all the equipment that you're probably going to need. But one thing you should get first is called a salus tarp. A salus tarp is just a giant tarp that's black on one side, white on the other side. It's a giant tarp that you lay down on the ground and if you put weights down and when the sun comes over, it creates a super hot, humid environment under the tarp that basically kills off all the grass and weeds and everything up under there. Now, the best place to get salad tarps, in my opinion, is Polyface Farms. Uh, and if I was you, I would get one of their smallest salad tarps that they have. The ones that I get, I believe they're 25 by 50 and they do pretty well for me on my farm, but that's just the size of the plots that I have. But if you're on one fourth of an acre, those are pretty good for you too. Um, I would get about three of them. Just get about three of them. They're really inexpensive. I mean, if you go on Amazon, you could probably find them on Amazon, but Polyface Farm to me has the best ones. So I would get one of those salad tarps, lay it down, put some weights down on it, wait about three weeks. When you pull that salad tarp off, you're gonna have this super blank canvas. Now, let's get into this. Let's get into this really quick. There are some setbacks with salad tarps. You will see, uh, you will see fire ants, and you probably will see some moles, like little moles and groundhogs, because they love that little environment. If you have a dog, and we said that this family has a dog because Tommy wanted to get a dog. The dog is probably gonna dig through the bare ground because he's smelling moles or anything like that. If you have those type of dogs. I have four dogs and my dogs kill anything in sight. I love them and I love that they do that because as a farmer, you don't want rabbits and chipmunks and all that other stuff coming up into your farm. So you want a couple of killers. Um, we're talking about dogs. So um, those are some setbacks, but they're they're minor setbacks with the anthills. With the anthills, just go out there and all you got to do is is knock them down and you'll be fine uh hold on i had to put my phone away go out there with like a little hoe knock them down it'll be fine the fire ants will uh burrow deeper into the ground you don't have to worry about them uh the moles will probably go somewhere else because it's sunlight now now a lot of people this is another thing people think too that when they have a salad tarp and they burn off all the grass, they think the grass will never grow back. No, the grass will grow back. And as many years of a farmer and all the farmers in day and ages, we will always lose that battle to grass. There's no way to beat grass organically, organically. 
There's no way to beat grass. Only thing we can do is try to hold it back and try to put that beast in the cage as much as you can, but that beast is going to break out at any moment. So I suggest the minute you take that salad tarp off, you go ahead and start prepping your lamb. Now, the next piece of equipment you're probably going to need, you probably are going to need a tiller. Now, you can either get a big tiller, like a walk-behind tiller from Lowe's or Home Depot, or you can get these little uh, mantis tillers, whichever one you want. You just need something to break up that top layer of the ground. Now, some people will say this. Hey, we don't want to till in our land. We don't want to mess up the soil and all that other stuff. I get that. But if you're from Georgia, Georgia red clay ain't nothing to mess with. You probably going to want to till it. Now, some people will say, hey, why don't I just get a bunch of compost and make my rows out of compost? Or how about I make man-made beds where people will take scraps of newspaper and hay and other organic matter and then cover it all with compost to make a bed you could do that too go out and do whatever you want to do for me we're not actually doing this for profit if we're just doing this to grow food for our family i'm just gonna say go out there get a tiller till up the land and go on with your day so you're gonna go out there with your tiller and you're gonna till a couple of rows right you're gonna go out there you're gonna till up a couple of rows once you till up a couple of your rows, and the rows are beds, so the, your rows are beds, that's the area that you're going to plant in. Those are the areas you're going to plant in. Now, for me, when I made my raised beds or my beds, I made them two and a half feet wide, and then however far you want to go, that's as far as you want to go. Mine are two and a half feet wide by 50 feet long. Some people might want to do something else. Some people might want to break them up, but that's what I'm going to do. And you just measure out how many beds you want. Now, my aisles are about 18 inches wide, so I can walk down the aisles. So you might want to take 2.5, you might want to take two and a half feet plus 18 inches, and that's how much area you might want to go from one row to the next row to the next row and get as many rows as you can. But that's the area that you're going to be planting in, okay? Now, after you till up your rows, then you're going to go get your compost and you're going to go buy a thing called a wheelbarrow and a thing called a shovel. And you're going to want a deep wheelbarrow. Do not go get a concrete wheelbarrow because those things are shallow and they're not going to hold that much stuff. I don't know how many times I've been to people's places and they have like the little shallow wheelbarrow and, they say, and they're talking about, oh, we got to compost some rows. Get a giant wheelbarrow and go to the gym, put on some strength and load up that wheelbarrow and go take all that compost out there and put out as much as you can if you're a dad use that dad strength and get super strong like the hulk and just fill that wheelbarrow up with compost but that's the next thing you're going to do you're going to order some compost and most places will deliver it to you if you have a truck you can go to somewhere and they'll load it up in your truck but you're going to get some compost you're going to put in that wheelbarrow that you just bought from lowe's or home depot or walmart or wherever you got it from and you're going to go out there to your beds or your rows and you're going to put a, a sheet of compost over your beds. There's a sheet of compost over it. Next thing you're going to do, you're going to go back and get that tiller. And I know a lot of you soil freaks are going to be like, hey, why are you tilling again? You want to till again because you want to kind of get the compost to get mixed in into the ground so that the ground can be a little bit softer and it can have a little bit more nutrients in it. That is me. That is me. Do whatever you guys want to do. But you're going to want to put that compost down again. 
So when you put that compost down and you till it into the ground, now you're ready to figure out what is the water situation looking like. Now, if you're in a city, you're probably going to have city water. If you're out in the country, you're probably going to have well water. Now, you can go extreme and do dry land farming, and that's just when you're trying to be Amish and wait for the rain to come. But unless you're living in Portland, shout out to Portland, it's not going to rain that much in most places. So, if you're on city water, you need to go out and get that drip tape. That good old magical black strip with a blue line down it, drip tape. And you need to set up your yard for drip tape. There's a ton of other YouTube videos you can go out and find to figure out how the best way to put your drip tape down. There's a super simple um, method of doing it. So please find the most simplest method of doing it. I will probably make another video later explaining more about drip tape. But just find the simplest way how to put down drip tape if you want to do drip tape. Now, if you're living out there in the country and you're on well water... You can do overhead, but I suggest you still do drip tape because, like I said in a previous video, you, unless you have like a pond or a lake that you can pump the water out of, overhead is mainly good for that. But if you're out there in the country and you have well water, go ahead and do overhead if you want to do overhead. But let's just say that you're doing drip. Let's say you're living in the city and you need to do drip. So you put down drip tape because, again, if you're living in the city, you're going to have to pay that city water bill. And that city water bill ain't nothing to play with. Now, there's a bunch of different tips on how to manage your water and all that other stuff. But the best way to do it is to get some drip tape. Because you're not going to spend that much money on water being sent out into your garden. So, get that drip tape out there. Now, okay, I'll explain drip tape real simple. For each row, you probably only need two lines. Most of the time, you only need two lines of drip tape. Most people say you need four. Some people say you need five, but we're not doing this for production. We're just doing this so that you can feed your family for a little bit. You don't want to put down two lines of drip tape for each row. You want to spread that main line across the top of the beginning. You want to spread it at the beginning of each of your rows and then just hook up two drip tape lines and just Send it all the way down the road until it gets to the end. And again, there's tons of YouTube videos explaining how to do this. But that's what you want to do. So now you got your drip tape down. Now we got the drip tape down. Now what's next? Hmm. Next thing is you might want to put some landscape fabric around the border of wherever you're growing. Because that just saves you time and effort that you don't want to put in from like mowing around there. Because the grass is going to come. So the landscape fabric, that might be something you want to buy want to buy again, and you can get that from Amazon or Lowe's or Home Depot. Get some really good landscape fabric. Don't get that thin, stupid stuff because that grass will grow right back through it. So you want to get some real landscape fabric. But put that stuff down around the border of wherever you're growing so you don't have to worry about grass coming immediately into your garden. But that's what you want to do to set up for that one bed. Now you have that one bed. If you're on one-fourth of an acre, you can do that three more times. So, woo, look at that. You have a 25 by 50 plot, and you have three of them now. I'm just going to assume that you're a magical man, and you can just work super fast like the Flash, and now you have three of them. Now you have your three, now you have your three beds. Now you're sitting there saying, okay, now I can plant. No, you can't. You got to get some more equipment. There's some more stuff you got to buy. 
Next thing you got to buy is a little greenhouse. Now, you're probably thinking, why do I need to get a greenhouse? Why can't I just go and take the seeds and put them right into the ground? That's not going to work all the time. You do not want to get a bunch of kale seeds and direct seed a bunch of kale, and then only five of them come up when you plant it like 100. You want to put your kale seeds in a greenhouse in a controlled temperature so that they will germinate and grow, and then when they get big, you can transplant them into the ground. So I suggest if you're just doing this in your backyard just for fun, go get one of those simple glass greenhouses you can order from, again, Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart, and Amazon. Get one of them glass ones. It's going to get really, really hot up in there, and that's kind of what you want. Make sure there's some good ventilation because you do not want it to get so hot that it burns everything in there because it's glass. It's going to attract a lot of heat. Now, I know some people are saying, why don't I just get plastic? Get the small glass ones. You're doing this out of your house. Get the small glass ones. Get the ones that are probably 10 by 10s because you're not growing for production. Get one of those things because also you're going to have to grow tomatoes in there and squash and all that other stuff. Get a glass one. They're more heavy duty and they're not going to fall over as fast. Now you can get some that are made out of like a polycarbonate stuff. But that's a whole nother video for a whole nother time. Just hit my mic. Okay. But um... Get one of those glass ones. I suggest one of those glass ones. So you just ordered a glass one. It just showed up. Hopefully it's already built. But if it's not, go ahead and build it because you're a boss-ass family. Oh, man, did I cuss? Oh, well. You're a boss-ass family and you can build anything that you want to build. So you build that thing. Put a couple of tables in there. Put gravel on the bottom. So I suggest for the bottom so you don't have to worry about grass and everything. Put down some landscape fabric. Cover the whole entire bottom, bottom floor with landscape fabric. Then go out and get some gravel and cover it with gravel. Now some grass still might come through there, but you're not going to get a big heaping mess of grass coming through there. So now you have your greenhouse. Now you're starting your seeds. You're going to, you're not going to go to Walmart and get those weird um, seeds from some weird company that you have no idea if these seeds are going to do well. You're going to order seeds from like, high mowing organic seeds or Johnny seeds because you're serious about growing food for your family. You get your seeds. You go get some soil mix. You go get your trays because that's another thing you got to do too. Get some trays, get some soil mix. Then you're going to start transplanting. Watch another YouTube video on how to, um, not transplant, on how to seed in your greenhouse. I will say if you're going to go get trays and you're going to get soil mix, do not trust the soil mix that you'll see at a home improvement store because it's just some weird potting mix. You need real soil mix. So you, if you don't know how to make real soil mix, go to Greenhouse Megastore and type in Pro Mix. They have the best soil mix that is made that I have seen that you can order. It's a little bit expensive, but you're doing this in your backyard and it, it, it'll be fine. It might be $78, but it's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. Um, and if you're going to get trays, I suggest you get some 72s and some 36s and I want to say some one-inch pots. Those are the probably those are probably the three that you need to get. And you can get all that from Greenhouse Megastore. They're great. I get all my trays from Greenhouse Megastore. And since I know how to make soil mix, if I really did not feel like making soil mix, I would buy Pro Mix from them. Because when you make your own soil mix, it's not the same consistency 
consistency every single time. So you kind of want to make sure you get the same consistency every single time. So I would go get Pro Mix because it's going to be made the same way every single time. And there's a little bit of extra stuff in there to help yourself grow a little bit better. And you kind of want as much help as you can get. So you did all that. You saw a YouTube video about how to seed your stuff. Your, your stuff came up. You waited um, about four to six weeks and say you got kale transplants. Now you're going out there in your garden. You're planting the kale. The kale got to be at least a foot apart. Um, say you're planting some broccoli out there, that got to be 18 inches apart. Say you're planting some cabbage out there, that got to be 18 inches apart. You're planting all your stuff, you're getting your stuff done. Now you're asking, hey, I want to grow some carrots and some turnips and some radishes. Okay, here's the next equipment you need to get. Because if you want to direct seed, this is the next piece of equipment you need to get. I'm not going to tell you to get no Jane Seeder, because a Jane Seeder, that's for like heavy-duty farmers. Um, you need to get this thing called an Earthway. It's a $100 seeder, and it's the most simplest thing you can get. It's super easy. It's, it's super easy, super easy. Easiest seeder I've ever seen. And it has these little plates that you will put inside of the seeder, and it, on each plate, it'll tell you exactly what seed you can put on there. So there's plates for carrots. There's plates for squash. There's plates for kale. There's plates for all this other stuff. But again, I just said you don't want to direct seed everything. The main stuff you want to direct seed is probably carrots, turnips, radishes, rutabagas, all of your root um, vegetable stuff. Those are the only things that I would kind of direct seed. So you're going to go buy Earthway. You can get them from Amazon or you can get them from Earthway.com. I believe there's an Earthway.com. I don't know. And I bought my Earthway from Amazon. So you can get one from there. You go out there with your little Earthway and you're walking down your roads and you're direct seeding your carrots. You got your water going. The sun is out. You're chilling back um, and you're waiting three months and they should know you got food. You got food for your family and you got enough food to feed the whole entire neighborhood. Because that's how it goes. Now you got to sit there and plan out. Hey, I got a success in my stuff. I got a get the next thing going because when you're growing your own food, you got to plan ahead for the next thing that you want to come up. That's why I suggested you have three plots. That's why I suggested that you get three salad tarps because when you get done planting in one in one bed and all the stuff dies out, all you do is go to that one plot, pull out all the vegetables, lay them back on the row, put the salad tarp over it, um, three weeks later, depending on how much sun you're getting, you pull that salad tarp back up. All of those plants have died back into the ground and all the nutrients that the plants took out go right back into the soil. So you don't have to worry that much about getting amendments and all that other stuff because everything that the plants took out of the ground went right back into the ground. And when you go do your soil test, you might see that your soil test is a little bit better this time. So that's why I suggested that you do all that stuff. But that's even more and more details that you guys might want to know. Now you and you still got all this extra land in your backyard. So you might plant some blueberry bushes. You might do some strawberries. You might do some fig trees. Go wild with it. Get a bunch of fruit trees. Get some pear trees. Get some apple trees. Get some peach trees. Do whatever you want to do, man. Get wild with it. I definitely say get some figs because figs are delicious. I love figs. Love figs. But, um... 
Do whatever you want to do. So now you have your own backyard sustainable garden that can feed you and your family. And you'll start seeing now, I have so much food that I can feed the whole entire neighborhood. But I'm not going to tell you to sell because, again, I think I said this at the beginning of the video. There's some cities and states that will say, hey, you can't grow for profit in your backyard unless it's an ag zone. I think that's some bullshit, but that's just how, that's just the world we live in. So again, if you want to sell some stuff out of your backyard, you know, sell it under the table, you know, so Uncle Sam don't see a paper trail. But that's all I'm going to say about that. But I hope that answered you guys' question about, hey, um, how big should I do my garden? And that's just what I suggest if you are trying to grow for your family and your backyard is pretty huge. Now, let's say you have a normal size backyard and you're like, hey, man, my backyard is about, my backyard is only about um, 500 square feet. That's as big as my backyard is. Okay, then if you have a small backyard, you're going, you're, you're doing that raised bed method. You're doing that raised bed method and you're probably going to buy your transplants from a local farmer and you're probably going to get most of your stuff from a local farmer. Because that's the next option. If you, if your backyard is not big enough and you're like, hey, we still want to eat sustainable food and we still want to, um, you know, not go to the grocery store and everything. Go find a local farmer. There's usually one in every single town in America and buy some of his stuff. And I mean a local small scale farmer, somebody that's actually out there in the land. Don't go to a conventional farm because you're probably just going to get the same stuff that they send to Walmart and Target and all that other stuff. So go to an actual small scale grower or find somebody in your neighborhood who does have a big yard and they are growing. And maybe you could be like, hey, man, can I buy some of your stuff? Now, if you do want to grow your own stuff, I say grow some accessory crops that can go with the big dishes, like grow some herbs. You can still put strawberries in your backyard. You can still put a fig tree in your backyard. If you don't have enough room to grow vegetables, fill it up with like stuff that you can treat yourself with. You know, herbs ain't never hurt nobody. Everybody love basil. Everybody loves some basil and some lavender. Grow you some sage. Keep away them negative energies, man. Do whatever you guys want to do in your backyard. You know, grow some accessory stuff. Grow some time. Because we all got time, so grow some time. Do whatever you want to do. But hopefully that answered um, the question. And we went through how big I should make my garden. So that's how big I would make my garden if I had a family of six. And my name was Billy and my wife's name was Jean. And we had these other ridiculous named kids. And my backyard was one-fourth of an acre. That's how I would do it. That's how I would do it if I'm just trying to grow for my family and try to feed my family. A lot of people don't realize that you can grow a lot of food on a fourth of an acre. You can even grow food on less than that. So there's other YouTube videos talking about that. You can actually see the people do the stuff out there too. I'm just here to explain it and talk about it and go through the process of how I think it should be done. All right, now that we did that, let's head over to the fan question. This episode is brought to you by Heartsong Herbs. Heartsong Herbs is a farm and apothecary based in Athens, Georgia. They are proudly part of a growing movement of regenerative agricultural farming that prioritizes soil health to grow beyond organic. Founder Dana Nevins produces herbal tinctures and beauty care products with the vigor and potency of plants found as they grow in the wild right outside of her door. 
This high quality herbal medicine is available in two ounce formulas that aid in everything from immune support to anxiety relief. Find Hearts on Herbs at various Athens retailers or online at www.heartsonherbs.com. Again, that is www.heartsonherbs.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Recipe for Press. If your company wants to engage today's influencers and inspire them to write about you, then you need to read Recipe for Press. Athens-based communication advisor and author Amy Fleury helps entrepreneurs across the country demystify the process of pitching their story and creating a buzz. Her book, Recipe for Press, the DIY PR guide to being your own publicist is truly empowered me and so many other local companies to grow their customer base by sharing their stories. Listeners get a 20% discount with the code cozy when they order amy's book or any of her products in recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com again that is 20 percent off using the promo code cozy for any of the products on recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com www.amyflurry.com all right, this is the portion of the show where we answer some fan questions. If you want to send in your questions, you can email them at CozyBearMarketGarden at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram at CozyBearMarketGarden or on Sundays I will leave a post and you can leave a comment under that to leave your questions for the show. Probably only going to do three today because, again, I'm really, really tired and I just bought my minivan and I want to go joy riding today. So, let's answer some questions. Um, Hey, Cozy. Oh, I can't read this morning. I'm sorry, guys. Hey, Cozy. I'm trying to figure out if I should grow potatoes in my backyard. And do I have the time to grow potatoes? Is it too late or did I miss my opportunity? Um, mm, to answer that question right now, it's never too late to grow potatoes. But I think now it is June. You, you still got time to plant potatoes. I don't know if you can actually find some to buy. Because a lot of people buy up potatoes a lot. I mean, I go to a local seed store and they bring their potatoes in in March. If I get there probably the third week by March, all the potatoes are gone. And then when I go to the big seed companies, a lot of their potatoes are are out of stock or back ordered or stuff like that. So I don't think it's too late seasonally wise to grow potatoes, depending on where you're at. If you're in Georgia, it's not too late. If you're in Florida, it's definitely not too late. If you're in Texas, it's nowhere too late. If you're up north, you just put them in your um, high tunnel and hopefully and cross your fingers and hope for the best. But I don't think it's too late to grow potatoes. It's not too late to grow potatoes. It's just the biggest problem is where to find the potatoes. That's the biggest problem. Where to find the potatoes. Can you get the potato seeds? I mean, you can, now look, you can do this. I, I really would not suggest doing this, but you can go to the grocery store 
You go to the grocery store and you can buy a sack of potatoes and just sit them out on your counter and let them get old. And when they start um, sticking out the eyes, cut them up and then you can put your potato seeds in the ground. I just don't want to do that because I don't know what is all up in those potatoes. You don't know what chemicals are in there. You don't know what kind of stuff they put in there. But if you are desperate for some potato seeds, that's one way you can do that. I'm not going to judge you out loud, but I will judge you silently. But you can do that. Just don't tell me about it because I'm probably going to judge you. And I'm probably going to mock you and say, how dare you? Okay, next question. Hey, Gozy. If you were not a farmer... What other career would you have done? I think I said this before. If I was not a farmer, I probably would have went into the family business of either being an electrician or a mechanic. But I did say if I lived on the coast, I definitely would have been a fisherman. Definitely would have been a fisherman. And I definitely would have went up to Alaska and I definitely would have been fishing for tuna on one of those small boats and being my own boss. I really love just being my own boss and making my own schedule and everything like that. And I do love the process of you have between this month and this month. You have between this month and this month to make as much money as you can to cover yourself for the whole entire year. I don't know why I like that kind of pressure, but I just do. So if I was not farming vegetables, I probably would be doing that. Now, if I actually did a job that my degree said that I was supposed to do, I probably would be running a nursery right now. Like, I actually probably would be going working for one of those big giant nurseries, and I probably would have been a manager of it by now. But I don't like working for other people because I've been working for other people, and I usually get undervalued, and I really don't feel like I get appreciated enough, so been through that so many times that now I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to be my own boss. So now I could go out and create my own nursery, but I like growing vegetables. But if I wasn't a farmer, I probably would have been a fisherman or I probably would have been um, an electrician or a mechanic or something like that. But I definitely would have been working for myself. Would not have been, I would have my own business. I would not be, uh, I would not be working for somebody. I do not want to work for somebody. Even though there are some cool bosses out there, I just don't. I just don't want to work for somebody. Okay. Next question. Last question. Excuse my singing. Can't sing today. Um. Hey, Cozy. I'm trying to get my social media following up. What is the best way to do it? And how can I get more people to follow my page? Oh, that's a good question. Probably should make a video about how to build up your social media if you're a farmer hmm if you're a farmer hmm let me do my my evil finger tapping really quick in the shadows if you're a farmer and you're trying to build up your social media following one tip is when you're posting just don't post vegetables yes people love vegetables but we all know what an eggplant look like Yes, people love vegetables, but everybody sometimes get tired of seeing kale. So make sure you put yourself in the photo so people can see who you are. Also, when you're in your bio of your descriptions, I'm going on Instagram right now. When you're in the bio of your descriptions, do not write a 10-page essay explaining all the stuff that you guys been through. Make it short and simple and sweet and try to make it funny and try to make it where people can read it 
within 10 seconds and they can leave a comment and go. Don't write no 10 page long college essay explaining the name of your farm and everything like that. If you're gonna do that, make a video. Make a video explaining yourself where your farm came from. Videos go a lot further than um, pictures and in a super long description. One, I just hate long descriptions too. I, I, I ain't got time to read a novel while I'm on Instagram. I ain't got time for all that. Cozy got stuff to do. Um, next thing you can do on Instagram is for 15 to 30 minutes of a day, don't post anything. Just go on Instagram, go to the farms that you like to follow or people that you like to follow and comment on their stuff. Get engaged. For 15 to 30 minutes of the day, just engage on people's stuff. Just put comments. Don't post nothing. Don't say, hey, come check out my farm. If you see somebody planted some tulips, just write, hey, your tulips look beautiful. Or if you see somebody that planted some beets and they're saying, got my beets in the ground, say, man, I hope your beets come up good. Just say something nice and make sure it's genuine and not generic. Like, actually, if somebody did write a long comment, I mean, a, a long description, just read the whole thing so that you can interact back with it. And it seems like you're having a conversation with these people. And it seems like you are engaged. Because when I do it, I do this. I actually do read people's whole thing. Sometimes I don't want to because, again, you guys write 10-page 10, 10, 10 essays. But I'll read the whole thing. And if it's something good, I will engage back and say, hey, man, I hope that works out for you. There's a couple of people I do that now. And... Even though within that 15 minute period, I do read and I do engage back. And sometimes it will build up your following. Every time I do that, I get maybe two extra followers a day and that will accumulate and build back up. But that's just for Instagram and social media. Also, um, follow a lot of hashtags. Follow like vegetable hashtags. Follow hashtags that deal with farming and stuff so that you can get more engaged with other people that are who follow those hashtags too. There's a lot of chefs that do that. I know I made some good friends with some chefs by following hashtags about good eating and then I commented on somebody's stuff and now we're besties. We're besties now. He's my best friend. Doja Cat, Sade. But um, do that stuff. Engage. And you can do that, that engagement thing, you can do that on Twitter, on Facebook. Do it on those three. I'm just going to talk about the three main social media platforms right now. All these other ones like TikTok and all the other crap, I'm not going to entertain that. The three main ones is Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. They're going to be here forever. Now, if you're on Facebook, do the same thing. Post videos, post pictures, but write quick descriptions. If you're going to write a 10-page essay, just go ahead and make a video about it. Do that on Facebook. Um, join Facebook groups and interact in the Facebook groups. Don't talk about your farm. Just interact with people in the Facebook groups. Um, join like maybe five groups so you can get some ideas from them too. And then they can get some ideas from you. And then they might send people your way to look at your Facebook and you might send people their way. So it can be more of a community-based thing. Facebook can be toxic, but it can also be a good community hub for people who want to learn more or hear more about you. So on Facebook, do stuff like that. 
just don't be going too crazy with your Facebook and trying to do everything that Facebook says, like, oh, you need to boost your post and you do all this stuff. Don't be spending money on trying to advertise and do all that stuff. Like, let like play the system to your advantage. Yes, on Instagram and Facebook, everybody's not going to see your posts. But since you go out and comment and engage with people, that's going to bring more people to you because they get to see that you wrote something on somebody else's post that they might not have seen because Instagram's not going to show them your stuff. And so that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. Now on Twitter, Twitter is kind of tough. Twitter is just a bunch of words. It's a bunch of words. So for farmers, that's not the best way. But for that, what I would do is I would use that as a caveat to let people know where I'm going to be at. If you're going to be selling somewhere, tell them on Twitter, I'm going to be here. If you see somebody on on Twitter talking about something, re I think it's uh, reposting or something. I'm not really on Twitter. But repost it, um, like a bunch of people's stuff, engage, retweet people's stuff. But for Twitter, it's kind of hard because it's words. So for me, I would put down, I would say stuff like, just got my squash in the ground, hopefully it's up by now. Or, hey, cabbage game on lock. Do little stuff like that. I mean, Twitter's kind of tough for farmers, but I would do that. But definitely engage on Twitter. And use Twitter as your, like, announcement page. Hey, I'm going to be, if it, if it was me, if I'm on Twitter... If it's me, if I'm on Twitter, I'm going to post, hey, you can find me at the Marigold Farmer's Market in Winterville at Pritchard Park every Saturday from 10 to 2. I would do stuff like that. I would do stuff like that. So, And that's a fact of life. I will be there every Saturday from 10 to 2, on a small plug, at the Marigold Farmer's Market in Winterville, Georgia. Small plug. Now, if you really want to do like how I do. I just focused on one on one social media platform. You can stretch yourself thin going on this platform, this platform. You can go on TikTok. You can go on Snapchat. You can do all that stuff. Or you can just put all your attention on one platform and use that platform very, very well. I just focus all my energy on Instagram because I can actually show pictures and show videos of my stuff. People can see it. People can follow me. I have a lot more followers on that than I would on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I can engage easily on that. And usually most time, Instagram is going to steal whatever TikTok or Snapchat or whatever new thing is going to come out. So you're basically going to have that there. Now, this is a public service announcement to all you farmers out there. They keep doing these reels. Stop it. You're not you're not creative enough. The farmers that keep doing reels and it's basically the Instagram version of TikTok, you guys ain't good at it. I have yet to see a good farmer reels. They're all terrible. Stop with the reels. Just make a video and sh- and post a picture and get off and, or just engage. Stop doing all these extra things. Do your stories and get off. These reels, look, I'm 25 and I should be all up on reels. I'm not on reels. It's not for us. It's for young people. This is not for business people. When the last time you saw a really good business reel? And most of the time when you see a business reel, it's, uh, it's just a normal video that they could just post it as an Instagram video. But because it says reels, people are trying to be all hip and cool. Stop. Just stop. Stop. It's for, it's for young kids. Leave it for the young kids. Don't be doing that on your farm. Because a lot of you farmers are over the age of 40 and y'all don't know how to do it. I'm 25. I know how to do it, but I just don't entertain it because I don't want to put all that extra energy into it. 
I post a picture, I make a video, I write short, quick um, descriptions, I go on my stories, and I go and engage, and I get out. And I do all that with, within 15 to 30 minutes of each day. Just do that. Or you can do that on Facebook for 20 to 15, um, for 15 to 20 minutes. You can do that on Twitter for 20 to 14 minutes. I mean, do whatever you want to do. But I'm just telling you guys right now, all these little extra kid stuff, don't do it. Stop. You guys cannot do reels. I'm trying to help you here. You, you, you can't do reels. Now, somebody wants to see me some reels of farmers doing it well. I'm all for it. Send me whatever you can send me. But the reels that I have seen so far, I want to tell them people, hey, 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 delete your account and start over again. But that's going to do it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you learned something. Again, if you want to send in fan questions, email me at CozyBearMarketGarden at gmail.com or go on my Instagram. You can DM me. It's the one and only time I'll tell people to slide into my DMs. You can DM me at, at CozyBearMarketGarden or every Sunday I will post a ask fan questions post and you can leave questions in the comments below. Thank you guys again for listening to the show. Cozy is out.